Galatians chapter 1, let's start reading in verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who God, or who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia, grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and, the fa- and our Father. And here's where we are for today, verse 5. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, please help us as we try to look in this book and understand what it means to give you glory. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to set aside the cares that we have. Lord, there are people here that are dealing with the loss of loved ones. There are people here that are dealing with health issues, with with burdens, hard times at work, so many things that are going on. Father, please help us to set those things aside and focus on your word today and find encouragement and help from it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's interesting, when you look at verse 5, to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. Who is that? That's God, the Father. And an interesting thing is in the first five verses of the book of Galatians, God is referred to in each verse. Something else that's very interesting in the writings of the Apostle Paul, the writings of the Apostle Paul, every chapter, every chapter of the writings of the Apostle Paul, God is referred to, except 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And isn't it interesting that one of the world's favorite passages is 1 Corinthians chapter 13? It's so interesting when this stuff comes up. Now, we're not diminishing 1 Corinthians 13. Aren't you glad that, that charity covers everything? And Amen? We're thankful for that. But it's so interesting the way that the world reveals its rejection of who God is over and over and again. The other thing that we understand is how the Apostle Paul cared so much about the name of God. He cared about that because that is, of course, our authority and our power. Then, um, let's let's dive into this. When you look at this, verse 5, To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. What I had thought to do with this passage, and it wouldn't have been bad, is to go through the Scripture and demonstrate why God is worthy of glory. He's our Creator. Amen? And you go through the Scripture and you can see why God is worthy of glory. And that would have been valuable. But what I wanted to do today is He is to receive glory for something very specific in the context. So, number one, we see that the context gives us the reason to give Him glory. The context gives us the reason to give Him glory. Look at verse 4 who gave Himself for our sins, that He might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. The reason, the context of why God is due glory, He saved us. Are you saved this morning? Are you saved? That in itself is enough reason to give Him glory. You don't have to go to hell. You can have peace in this life. And you can have hope for the next life. You can know that you have eternal life. Now, He saved us. And that's a simple statement, but it's got profound implications. Do you know what it means? 
When you're saved, you now have a reason to live. And I'll tell you, I understand what it's like to get tired. I understand what it's like to be burdened. I understand what it's like to have trouble in life and lose things that are very important to you. Can you imagine going through those things without the Lord? Can you imagine losing a close loved one and knowing that person's not in heaven? We can know. We can give that assurance to people that we know for sure that we're going to heaven. Glory to His name. Amen? He deserves glory for saving us. So the context, the context gives us reason to give Him glory. But according to the context in verse 4, He saved us at matchless expense. Anybody here ready to give up your child for someone else? And he not only gave up his son, this is God giving himself up. It's an amazing thing. Then, another thing that's interesting, and this is, now, now we're, does anybody, is anybody here tired this morning? Y'all are looking a little tired, and I understand that. But this is good. I want you to think about this. According to this context, one of the reasons that we need to glorify God is that Jesus Christ is both our priest and our sacrifice. In the Old Testament, the priest would come and make the sacrifice, and then he'd go about his business, go and do what he's doing. And then he'd come back again when the time was appointed and make the sacrifice. And then he'd go about his business. Then he'd come back at the time appointed and make the sacrifice. Jesus Christ was the priest and the sacrifice, and that means he only had to do it one time. One time. One time was sufficient for the sin of the whole world. So this one sacrifice, Jesus Christ being the priest and the sacrifice, this tells us two things that are very important. First of all, that the sacrifice was necessary. The reason the sacrifice was necessary is because of our sin. The Apostle Paul, in his writing, understood that. Listen to what he said. Seventy-five times in the writings of the Apostle Paul, he refers to our sin. Folks, we're sinners. We are sinners. And because we're sinners, we deserve hell. Now here's what happens. How many of you have ever, how many of you have heard that before? Would you raise your hand? And our problem is when we hear something like that, it just, it becomes old hat. I'm just telling you, if you were in that prison cell, getting ready to go and have your head cut off, and the judge came and said, your penalty's been paid. You're free. Do you think you'd remember that? Yeah. Amen. You see, that's us. We, because we are sinners, we deserve hell and the sacrifice was necessary. But there's a second part to that. The sacrifice was necessary, but it was also sufficient. It, you don't have to do anything else to be saved. Right? Because Jesus Christ Paid that penalty. 
when that sacrifice is applied to your account, you don't have to do anything else. Do you know what that causes us to say? Glory to God. Imagine. Imagine if in order to be able to go to heaven, you had to bring an offering every week. But what if you couldn't bring that offering? You can't go to heaven. What if you had to be perfect? If sin separates you from God, and it does, if the sacrifice isn't sufficient, sufficient, which sin would cause you to lose it? And how would you ever know if you had committed it? You know what I say? Glory to God. For the which cause I also suffer these things. So the Apostle Paul wrote. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. He not only saved me, he keeps me saved. Glory to God. That's some really cool stuff. Can I ask you all a question? Did any of you sin this week? Did you raise your hand if you sinned this week? Maureen, what did you do? <laughs> Listen. We are sinners. Which one of those sins would separate us from God? I'll tell you what. Without the blood of Jesus, all of them. Any of them. Right? He saved us. He saved us. Since he gave himself, he could only make one sacrifice. The context gives us a specific detail that would rob God of the glory he so deserves. Now, don't miss this. The great theme of this book of Galatians, the great theme of this book is that Jesus Christ's sacrifice was sufficient. Is that right? What he's saying all through the book, his sacrifice did something that the law could never do. Is that right? That's what's going on. Uh, oh, foolish Galatians. Let's look at chapter three. Chapter three. Verse one. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Received ye the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? You see, we understand that not only are we saved by the hearing of faith, the Holy Spirit will receive the Spirit of God at salvation by faith. Amen? We're made perfect by the Holy Spirit of God and the hearing of faith. Why is that? Because Jesus Christ's sacrifice was sufficient. It was sufficient. The issue is not whether Christ's atonement was necessary. Now listen. The issue is not whether or not Christ's sacrifice was necessary. How many of you believe Jesus Christ had to die on the cross for us? The only way we can be saved, right? Necessary. The question is, is it enough? That's the issue in all of Christianity. 
That is the issue. There's no debate over whether or not Jesus Christ's death was necessary. The debate is, is it, was it enough? Do y'all believe it was enough? Amen. 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 It is not only Christ's atonement, or I'm sorry, it is only Christ's atonement that can remove sin. Christ gave himself. That fact teaches us that man's sin problem was bad enough to require that kind of sacrifice. Now, what did that sacrifice accomplish? Let's just take a minute. Y'all have your Bibles ready? If you don't have a Bible with you, there's one in the pew in front of you. Get your Bibles ready. Let's look at what this sacrifice accomplished. All right, 2 Corinthians. Just go back one book. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Here's what it accomplished. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That, here's why he did it. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. All right, so here's what Jesus Christ accomplished in you. His sacrifice. It was enough to make you the righteousness of God. Now, now think about that for a minute. Okay, let's, let's back up a little bit. How many of you sinned this week? Yeah. So how in the world can you be the righteousness of God? That's what Jesus Christ's sacrifice did. Because you, before salvation or after salvation, could never do it. You stand before God the Father righteous. Amen? You were made the righteousness of God. I got to tell you, you know what should have just happened to you today? You know what should have just happened right there? What a weight. Can, Can we testify here just for a minute? Just how many of you seriously had actually felt the weight of your own sinfulness this week. There'd come a time where something in your own life, whether it's through your prayer life, through meditation, whatever, where you recognized your own sin, you felt the weight of it. Did that happen to any of you this week? Okay, hold them up, hold them up, look around. Do you know what you are? You're the righteousness of God. That is what Jesus Christ's sacrifice accomplished. Now, if, well, if that's the case, why then, First John chapter 5, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because, Jacob, come up here and help me. Uh, Luke, come up here and help me. Noah, come up here and help me. All right, here's what we've got. A bunch of really funny looking young men. All right, Jake, you stand here. Noah, you go down there, right about here. All right, and Luke, you stand here. Okay, so here's who we are. How does this work? Well, the simple fact of the matter is that when you are lost, all you are is sin. That's it. Just sin. There is no righteousness. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. There's none righteous. No, not one. 
All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. When you're lost, there is no righteousness. Well, then how in the world can that person get saved? They can't. Listen to what I'm saying. They cannot get saved without something from the outside happening. That's why Jesus Christ had to die on the cross. So here you are. This is the lost man. Perfect example. This is the lost man. Okay? Now, let's go over here. This is the perfect man. <laughs> perfect. No sin. Hey, perfect man, quit fooling around. Perfect man. Perfect. No sin. You ready for this? Just like Jesus Christ. This is the perfect man. The lost man, no righteousness. The saved man, complete and only righteousness. Right? The only problem is this is heaven. That's where that is. Here is the saved man in the world. What grade are you in? God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? Okay. This is the saved man. This is the saved man. All right? The saved man in his flesh. Do you have flesh? Did that hurt a little bit? Yeah. The saved man in the flesh, ready for this? Listen, listen, still has no righteousness. In my, in me, that is, in my flesh, there abideth no good thing. Okay, now let's, let's get this right. No righteousness at all. Perfect, sinless, just like Jesus Christ. The saved man in the world. The saved man in the world. In himself, there is still no righteousness. If these sleeves are too short, I'm going to be really mad. Okay, put this on. Here, put your other arm. Other arm. There we go. All right. All right. So now you have the sinful man wrapped in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So now he can walk and live in this world as a righteous man when he walks in the Spirit. Right? Is that right? So now, simple fact is, he has no righteousness, but to God, he's perfect. Amen? So now, let's go back to the middle. Why 1 John 5, 9 then? Why 1 John 5, 9? Because he's clothed in righteousness, but is not personally righteous. We confess our sin so that we can be useful vessels for the Lord in this world. Not, we don't do it so we can become perfect. We're already perfect. We do it so that we can make sure that we acknowledge we are still sinful creatures. 
We need God's cleansing power to make us useful for His service in this world. Amen? But the simple fact is, we're still sinners. We're sinners. But God looks at us like we're perfect. Will you say it with me? Glory to God. Glory to God. We're not worthy to be clothed in this righteousness. Amen? You see, the difference between what Jesus Christ does and what religion does, you've heard it before, what the world does is it puts a new coat on the man. What God does is He puts a new man in the coat. You're a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. Right? That's what Jesus Christ did for us. We need to glorify Him in that. You say, Pastor, wait a minute. You just said that in His flesh He's still sinful. What's this new man thing? What is that? It is the ability, the capacity to do God's will. What an amazing thing that is. But here's the other thing that it does. Not only, step up here a little bit, not only does he have the righteousness of Jesus Christ, he also has a seal on him. He has a seal. What does that seal do? According to Ephesians chapter 1, it marks him as one of God's own until he comes back to get him. Either through death or through the rapture. He's clothed in righteousness. He's sealed as one of God's own. Did I leave a mark? I need a mark. No. Um, he, so not only is he clothed in righteousness, he's sealed as one of God's own. Ready? You know what that says? The flesh demonstrates that the sacrifice was necessary. The seal demonstrates it was enough. Praise God. Ready for this? Can we say it together? Glory to God. Amen. Give me my coat back. Thanks, guys. You can be seated. Sit down, sinner. All right. Now, look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. You know what, let's, let's just, just for time's sake, go with me to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, verse 26. All right, look at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So that gave himself. You see how that immediately ties us back to Galatians chapter 1, verse 4? Why did he do that? What was accomplished by Jesus Christ giving himself? that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. So here's what happens. And we've already seen in Galatians chapter 3, the Holy Spirit cleanses us, sanctifies us. 
So when you're genuinely born again, the Holy Spirit of God does a work in you to make you more and more and more like Jesus Christ until He comes back to get you. Amen? This sacrifice. This sacrifice. Look at Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Verse 14. Now, the context is our Savior Jesus Christ at the end of verse 13. Our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself. Now, does that, he gave himself. Does that tie us back to Galatians 1 4? Right? Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Now, that redeem us from all iniquity. That is all iniquity past, present, and future. He has redeemed me from sin. Is that right? Now, here's the thing. Don't miss this. You might want to write this down. Don't miss this. Jesus Christ was not a martyr. He was our Redeemer. It was an act of the will. We spent a lot of time studying that. It was an act of His will whereby He gave Himself for us. He was not a martyr. He was our Redeemer. And He redeemed us from something to something. He redeemed us from iniquity to a peculiar people zealous of good works. That idea of being peculiar... That is done by the process of sanctification. The Holy Spirit sets us apart. The Holy Spirit makes us righteous. The Holy Spirit gives us greater and greater capacity to serve Him. Amen? For good works. You are useful to God. You are useful to God. He saved you for something. His Sacrifice was necessary and it was enough. You can serve God. I won't have you raise your hand, but I know that there are people here who don't believe they can serve God. They don't believe they can serve God because of their past. If you are saved, if you are saved, He has set you apart for good works and you can be zealous about it. You can be excited about it. Um... Well, so many more verses. But I want you to get that thought. Jesus didn't die as a martyr. He died as our Redeemer. Then, number three. This sufficient sacrifice brings glory to God. So here's the idea. What does it do if someone says that it's not enough? It robs God of His glory. What's the context? He gave Himself for our sins that He might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and the Father. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Alright? So here's what He's saying. That if we acknowledge that it was necessary and enough, that brings glory to God. If we acknowledge that it was necessary, but not enough, we rob God of that same glory. Now, if we don't glorify Him, 
The rocks will cry out. He's going to get His glory. Amen? The question is, is He going to get His glory from us? How many of you want to be a vessel of honor to God? You want to give Him the glory that is due His name? You've got to acknowledge it is necessary and enough. That's the context of this passage. It, 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 when we say that it's not enough, it implies that God needs our help. Look, only God is worthy of glory. To add works to faith or law to grace as necessary for salvation or as the basis for the retention of salvation is to rob God of His glory. We are commanded by Paul, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to what? The glory of God. You understand that your belief or unbelief determines whether or not you're doing it to the glory of God or not? Amen. It's necessary and enough. All right, then every Baptist's favorite word. Ready for this? Lastly. Okay. This God. How many of you, how many of you right now would acknowledge that God is worthy of glory? Amen. Here's the thing that's amazing. This God who is worthy of our glory and worship, He loves you. He loves you. This God who's worthy of glory and worship, He cares about your family. He cares about your needs. He cares about your health. He does. He cares about your cares. Casting all your cares upon Him, for He careth for you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if Bill Gates really cared about you? Show me the money. You know, if, if Bill Gates really cared about you, you would never have another physical need in the world, right? If he cared about you. He's got billions and billions and billions of dollars. Just think, he has, I think, $40,000 million. That's a lot of money. You'd only have to carry your lunch maybe once or twice a week if you had that kind of money. That's a lot of money, right? If he cared for you, you'd have all of your needs cared for. Honestly, now, except for the, the real spiritual people, how many of you would really like to be related and loved by Bill Gates? Seriously. I like stuff. I'd like to have some of that stuff. That'd be really cool. And you hear people drop names all the time. Yeah, yeah, I know so-and-so. Yeah, I know so-and-so. I know God. And more than that, God knows me and still loves me. He knows everything about me and He still loves me. You know, I know that there are people, one of the things that, that I've heard people say is that doctrinal sermons don't help people. You know, if somebody's suffering, doctrine's not what they need. When you understand who God is, then you know who you're running to. Amen. He's the one who said, I'll never, never leave you nor forsake you. He's the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He's the one of whom it says, the death of the saints is precious to the Lord. When you have a loved one die, that's Precious to God. That's precious to Him. He loves you. So, 
You know what this means? You ready for this? It really does matter what you believe. It really does matter what you believe. How many of you believe that Jesus Christ's death was necessary? How many of you believe that it was enough? Let's all say it together. Glory to God. Lord, thank you so much for saving us.